Hello and welcome to episode 11 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm your host Michael McCall and I'm joined as always by my co-host Steve Pander. Hello everybody. Now we're recording this podcast as our first outdoor podcast. Yep, we've packed the outdoor broadcast van up, we've driven up to UBC and we're recording this after the under-18s PDL teams um, friendly against Northside Seawolves on Tuesday evening. It was a great 5-3 win for the, the young guys, but we'll kind of cover that later. So there's been a, a lot happening since our, our last couple of podcasts that we did. Since then, we've lost the Voyagers Cup to Montreal, recorded our first away win of the season against New York, and suffered a heartbreak away loss at Seattle. So we're going to cover all those things and some more tonight. First off, let's just briefly have a little look back at the, the Voyagers Cup game. Seems a long time ago now, Steve, but we, we'll give it just a, a little bit of coverage. What, what were your thoughts then? Have they changed any in the, in the couple of weeks that's passed since? I'm less miserable and less suicidal, if that's anything. That's, that's, that's a always positive. a good thing. That's, that's a positive. Um, no, it's just, it was just the, the way it ended and everything like that. It's just so disappointing. Um, the two goals that were allowed by them could have you know, easily been prevented. They were just sloppy goals. I thought we... I know you have a different opinion on this, but I thought we lost the game in Montreal. I, I know that's their style and everything to sit back and wait for a counter, but I didn't feel like they did enough to win. I thought we dominated the game. We should have had like three, four goals at the half. So, yeah, it was very disappointing, especially to have to see the Montreal hoist the trophy at BC Place. Yeah, I think that was the hardest part. After everything that's happened with Montreal over the years, watching all the heartbreak in the 2008, 2009, and just the, the hatred that's basically been developed between the, the hardcore and the long-time fans of the Whitecaps and the Montreal team, it was just horrible then to see them lift that at, at BC Place. I, as you said, I have a slightly different take, and I think Montreal played the perfect game. They love to play counter-attacking football. They know what to do to get the result and I, I think they played the perfect game they got the, the draw that they needed and they hit the Whitecaps at a time that it didn't really give them much time to get back into the game they, they got the job done now it pains me to say this but I, I have to give some kudos to Montreal they played a great game they've been so impressive in MLS this season I, I just think they're they're one of the best teams to watch just now and yeah, sometimes they can play defensive counter-attack football, but, but when they play their passing game, it, it's just a joy to watch. Can't wish them well in, in the, the CONCACAF Champions League because that's just not in my nature to wish a rival well. And especially when you see the draw and it just makes you want even more the Whitecaps to have been in it because that was a very winnable group. I'm kind of an opposite. I know they're rivals and I hate them and everything, but I, I will first and foremost cheer for the Canadian team over any Latin American team or American team. So... I, while I, I wish them well, I probably will never watch the games. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a bitter Scott. I, I won't do that. Now, for the Whitecaps, the, the key for them was how they responded to that defeat. Because obviously heads were down, emotions were on a roller coaster for that game. And they responded fantastically. They went to New York, they got their first away win of the season, played with a depleted squad, and, and they still came away with the three points against a, a, a strong New York team. Yeah, they were missing a couple of players, but it was a strong team, hostile environment, 
and they did well. They got the three points. Yeah, they didn't have Nigel Rio Coker. They were missing quite. And Maddox was in there, so it was it was quite surprising that they were able to pull it out. And they did it coming back from you know coming from behind and everything, which was even more impressive. Yeah, I mean I think that was the most impressive thing that they came back from that horrible goal that that they lost. And and I say horrible just because it was an own goal and, and not because of of what. Greg Clazura did and the criticism that he's got for, for how he's been playing but we'll, we'll come to Greg later for me it wasn't a perfect performance I know they won but they were on the back foot for a lot of the game but they still but they, they gutted it yeah, out essentially they, and it was they scored on a set piece yeah and like Kenny Miller I thought Miller had had a really poor game up to that point I had just tweeted out Miller has basically done nothing in this game, and then a couple of minutes later, he puts a ball in the net. But that's about what strikers do, right? Yeah. They, they, oh, if he they, does they, that, they I'm don't happy. show up, and then all of a sudden, you know, it was a good cross. It was a great cross by Tybert, yeah. and a perfect spot. And then he worked it, got in front of that defender, and just took the ball away, and finished it too with a good header. So it was a, it was a good game the way that he played. For strikers, obviously, if they score, then everything else is forgiven. So the big news last week, apart from the Seattle game at the weekend was the trading of Alain Rashat. It's been a trade that's surprised many, shocked many, annoyed many. Others think it was a good move. Others still, and I'm in this camp, think it was a good move, but the timing was really poor. That's where I, that's the camp I'm essentially in too. Um, I thought, I wasn't surprised if, you, if anybody remember listening to the, 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 the podcast we did at the Alpen Club. I was mentioning how Alain Rochelle has disappointed this season. I kind of thought that he wasn't going to be with the team much longer. I thought maybe somewhere at the window at the earliest, but definitely wasn't going to be back next season. And it was actually quite surprising to see him being traded this early in June, considering that there's so much time till the window opens where they can get a replacement for him. And that was one of the issues we discussed, that we thought Rochelle was was going to be going, and I thought that... He, he wasn't having a good season and a trade could be possible. Didn't think it was going to happen so quick. The timing of it, when it happened, you did think it was it was strange timing. Obviously, what happened then in Seattle made the timing look worse. But taking that out, even if that had not happened, or with Andy O'Brien getting injured on Saturday, to trade a guy two days... To, to trade a, a starter, essentially, two days before a game with your Cascadian rivals where you know that you're low in defensive cl- cover, just makes no sense to me at all. No, it was, like I said, uh, the timing was weird. Um, uh, I, I think I think something must have happened. I'm not sure what. Um, the, it, I, I mentioned before, too, that the, that I don't feel like Martin Rennie and Alan Rochetta get along at all. And if you look at the uh, when he got sub, sub, subbed off at the FC Dallas game, there was basically no contact whatsoever. Uh, no acknowledgement at all. So th- there obviously was something there where um, there was not harmonious. And if you, and again, when Zach was on with us, he mentioned something about how Alan hasn't been right since last summer. About he wasn't didn't agree with all the changes that occurred where people got shipped out and so many changes occurred in one in one window. So when the team was going so well, so we we he kind of hinted at that if you read between the lines and everything like that. There was some kind of disharmony between uh, the coaching staff and, and Alan. Martin Rennie said on Whitecaps Daily that the window to get the trade done was small. And I understand that if DC United didn't get the player, they were going to look elsewhere. And possibly the club felt that there wasn't going to be someone else that came along. Now, for me, 
to wait a couple of days till after the Seattle game, even to do it on the Sunday would have been fine because he's not going to play for DC United now until I think next week probably in their in their US Open Cup game. And he was training on Monday this week, but a couple of days I don't think it would have been a big deal. What they got in return for him as well is the thing that really annoys me. And I, I know he's coming to the end of his contract and you don't know what you're going to get for him, but to get two really cheap picks and not even to get a, a player back in return, I, that just makes no sense to me at all. Well, it all depends on what they do with that cash too that they've they've shipped off. That's 190000 or so. Um, that's going to be a big difference. But we they, they've mentioned that they are looking into somebody and they have an idea. It's just a matter of timing and everything. I don't know if the, this is, guy might have been a free agent uh, in the last window, which would make him eligible to play right away or not. Or he's going to have to wait to the summer transfer to, to join the new club. So um, it would be interesting to see like what the actual player replacement is. But again, it doesn't make a difference because it hurt us against Seattle with Andy Bryan going down. Talking of Seattle, that brings us very nicely now to what I think was a Cascadian Cup classic on Saturday night at the Clink. Heartbreak for the Caps, storming fight back win for Seattle. We'll talk about that next. So this past Saturday, the Whitecaps went into Seattle once again, and once again they came out with a loss. But it was a much different way that they came out with a loss than have people talking. What do you? What are your first thoughts about that? You were at the game. It's hard not to look at it that the Caps threw it away. I know you could say Seattle fought back bravely and, and came through to a storming win. You could say the Caps were unlucky because of the Andy O'Brien injury. But the Caps also really rode their luck. Should have had a penalty given away before the one that was given away when Martins was brought down with a terrible tackle by Davidson. And to me, the Whitecaps threw that game away. And once again, and I don't know how many times we're going to say this on a podcast, it boiled down to not taking our chances and terrible defending. It is the story of the season so far, essentially, and and it's a it's a very basic thing that you know they're doing. They're working hard, they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing, but the chances, you know, when they come, they're not finishing them. The, again, they had that uh, Nigel Rio Coker this time in the 50th minute could have put them up three one. That didn't happen. It was it seemed like a, a, you know a shot that he could have got in. He obviously apologized for it afterwards on social media and internet, but. It, it, it's something that you know. It's it's a weird dynamic with him this year. I don't get it. And the Andy O'Brien injury, I think, even a little bit before that happened, they were still running at them and everything. But I think it would have made a huge difference if, say, for example, on that penalty that uh, Greg gave away, that if Jordan Harvey, because honestly, Jordan is a little bit more uh, has more experience with those kind of things. He he might have played it differently and everything like that. So. It, it obviously would have made, I think, a bit of difference on that play. Davidson, I, I know people are, we keep bouncing back and forth, whether, you know, is he good, is he bad, and everything like that. I think he was just horrible. He, the, the first goal, it was his fault. He didn't track 
Leveron got pulled way out. I don't, uh, and then he just didn't track back and and then see Andy Rose slipping right behind him, which is just unbelievable that he did that. And I agree, the penalty should have happened with with him um, on the Martins. And I don't know, that was actually I think a worse tackle than Clizero's tackle. Because at least Clizero was going for the ball. He just looked like he was chopping him down. Plus, I, I think Clizero was fouled on that. It's like he it seemed that Nagel had pushed off him. Yeah. And that was why Greg, was his arms were flapping about. And he never really recovered from that. And a bit of panic, which you're going to get from a young guy that hasn't played minutes. And he, he lunged in and, and brought him down. And, and the, the rest is history. It might have been a makeup call for the Martins thing. Because maybe he just, the referee realized afterwards, but he wasn't going to reverse the decision. So it could have been a makeup call for that. And that's, what, that's why Greg got, uh, didn't get the call on him. Could have been. But a couple of things that you raised there. Now, I've defended Davidson on this show. I've defended him on the blog. And I'm kind of, my attitude is changing on him. And I know it's kind of the trendy thing to do at the moment is to kind of get on his case and wonder why he's playing in the team. I really liked what Davidson brought to the team last year. As I've said several times now, I felt that the team missed him when he dropped out of it and that was coincidental or because of that, we then went on that terrible run last summer because we did not have him in covering. I thought he had started the season really well this year, but as the season's gone on, he's just got worse and worse and he's getting pulled out of position People are slipping in behind him. He offers nothing going forward. He's not even really doing the defensive cover now, which is what he's there for. And I I think the time has come that you need to drop him. And for me, I would look at maybe going for a a 4-2-3-1 setup and having your two holding midfielders of Gershon Coffey and Nigel Rio Coker. Yeah, they need something like that because especially if Andy Bryan doesn't come back soon enough, they need more cover, they need two guys. And if you're going to have two guys, you might as well have two guys that can offer something. So because that way you can switch back and forth to see which one of those guys goes forward and everything. So it'd be good to have those two guys play up. And on Whitecaps Daily, Randy mentioned that he he was looking at a midfield of uh, Kofi, Rio Coker, and Kobayashi once uh, Kobayashi and Kofi get fully healthy and fully fit and cleared to play. So it would be. I think that would be a very dynamic midfield that could actually make a difference and get that connection from the uh, from the back line to the forward guys who are, the, who are really playing uh, well the the trio of Tybert, Camilo and Miller are just like on fire and we were talking about Seattle the negatives, we started off with the negatives but the positives definitely have to be yeah, we Tybert, with we, uh, we, Tybert and Camilo, what they did on those two plays we haven't seen crosses like that for a while I guess so it was, it was, it was a different thing to see Tiber is is getting better and better with every game. Well, he's set up the last three goals. Yeah. And it's his confidence as well. Yeah. It's because he's now getting a regular run in the team. He He's not probably feared that he's going to be dropped for, for having one bad game because he's done so many good games now. And it, it's showing so much that it's great to see. And the, the three of them up front, they are just playing fantastic. Camilo is on fire just now. Miller is like... I don't want to say he's like the guy that I, I watched when he was in his 20s because he's still not as good as, as he was back then. But he has a spring on his step. He's running about great. What really, really annoyed me on Saturday, though, was the amount of times that Kenny Miller was left isolated up front. There was one time in the second half, he was breaking forward, and there was like five Sounders guys circled him. Yeah. And there was no Whitecaps guy anywhere near him to pass to. In the first half as well, he like whipped the ball over and there was no one at the back post. In the second half, he cut the ball back to Camilo. 
did he push it back too far or was it Camilo wasn't in the right position for me it was Camilo wasn't in the right position and that was another one of our misses that if we'd taken that it could have been a completely different outcome now the thing is is, is you have to wonder because this team we, we see the defensive part of it obviously and and a lot of it is their mistakes are because they're ball watching you have to think because usually when this happens and people break out this happened last year too quite a bit when some one player would break down like break away and nobody would be are they ball watching when they're going on the attack too like they see one when their teammates go up the field and they're all just standing there watching or you know you wonder what's going on where nobody else shows up and then all of a sudden Camilo comes way later once the ball is passed yeah. and everything like that so it was weird that you think that they're just ball watching them thinking that this guy's going to do it all by himself or something like that it's interesting you say that because Kenny Miller at training today he, he was kind of getting asked about what the team needs to do to defend better and he said it isn't just a defence the, the midfield and the attackers have to snub out the midfield of the opposition before they actually get to the, the Whitecaps penalty box and that the onus lies as much with the, the front law and the, and the midfield to cut these guys out before they actually get into the danger zone. Well, essentially, the midfield let him down against Seattle. It was, um, I thought, Rio Coker and Davidson especially, but I thought Watson, I know a lot of people were low on him because he didn't, barely even got into the attack, but I thought I he, never noticed him at all. Yeah, but, his, but if you watch him carefully, did you notice Rosales for most of the match? Because Watts, it was Watson True, who was no. covering Rosales for most of the match. He was sliding over and knocking him off his game. It's only when Rosales started moving into the middle a little bit and Watson actually lost his legs that you saw where uh, he actually made a difference in the game. So I think the he, he had his specific duty. That's why he wasn't on the ball too much. But Rio Coker looked rusty in the first half. Uh, and, and obviously that played a part there. And like we said before, Davidson really let the team down, I thought, in this game. Now, one of the key midfield aspects for the Whitecaps this season has obviously been Nigel Rio-Coker. Now, I caught up with Nigel in the dressing room after the, the defeat in Seattle, and all the players were gutted. I mean, that, that is something I, I would say. If you're a fan, you want your players to care in a defeat. You want them to take a defeat hard. And you just had to look around that dressing room on Saturday to know that they were taking it hard. And one of the guys that was taking it the hardest was Nigel Rio-Coker. He just sat there after the show. He wasn't getting changed. He just looked despondent. He didn't go up to, to do the press interviews. He just looked so down. And I like that. I like that it matters so much to him. Like, we caught up with him. We had a very quick chat. So, so let's see, hear what he had to say after the game. You've played in so many derby games over the years. What does this team need to do to try and get a victory in one of these games? <laughs> Finish off again. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I honestly don't know. You know, we played well, we in control of the game, and we just let it slip out of our hands. It's just one of them games. You know, the big disappointment was losing Andy, and you know we had players filling in positions that they're not really too familiar with. And they're, they're good players. They're a good team. You know, they're a good team. They started off well and they, they finished the game well. You know, they're a solid team throughout the 90 minutes. So you got to give them credit. Um, but we just have to learn to be a bit more resilient as a team to keep leads that we get. Now, the thing with Nigel Rio Coker is he is not a finisher. But yet he is the guy that is constantly getting into positions up front. He's bulldozing through defences. There's been a couple of times this season I've just been like in awe at the ease that he has just put his foot down. He's not the fastest guy in the world, and he kind of just bulldozes through the defence. Yeah, he's got great balance. Yeah, gets into position, and then either is in a good position and doesn't score, 
or he doesn't want to take the shot himself and then he lays it off and we still don't score. He's scored four goals, I think it is, in the last seven years that he's played. He isn't a finisher. Why is he the guy that's getting up there with these chances? It, it's really killing us. And for all the other good stuff he does, if he, if he keeps getting these chances and he doesn't keep burying them, this is what's going to really start to cost the team. It's not only going to start to cost the team, but the, um, the one thing I'm worried about is because people, a lot of people won't understand that he's not a finisher, like you've said. Yeah, and they'll start, that to get they'll on his start case. getting on his case. And then, you know, if he does sign a DP contract next year, will the people start saying, why are they signing him? He never scores. So, yeah, and it could that, be. That's a big thing over here. That's all they look for. And then it could be, and I know this is a totally different dynamic, obviously, because the other guy was Canadian, but it could be a whole Julian de Guzman thing where people saying, why are you paying this guy so much money? He never scores. He never contributes off- offensively. But, you know, you see the difference what he makes on the field. And if, if you can control the midfield, you can, you can shut down people defensively. You can help with the attack. It's just a matter of him. If he can pot one in and then show what he's capable of it, instead of, or at least set somebody up with the more goals, then, you know, it could be that make a difference for him in the, in the I, future years. I think he is one of these players as well that a goal is really going to help him just now. It's going to boost his confidence. It's going to let the fans kind of see what he's about, maybe get them off his back a bit. Not that they're on his back, because many do consider him to be our player of the season so far, and I, I'm one of them. But he's a, a guy that needs to score soon, I think. And Eric Hurtado's another. If, if Hurtado had scored that goal that was disallowed in the, the second game of the season... Columbus. That would have done his confidence so much good. And he would have been a guy that would be coming off the bench full of confidence. But because he hasn't got that, and because he's still waiting for his first MLS goal, and Kikuta Mani's come in, and Kikuta's got his first MLS goal now and before Eric... he's got Eric, confidence now. Yeah. <laughs> he plays with much more confidence he's, than he He's got the swagger... And it's like Hurtado needs to, to get that goal. He's another one of these guys that does that. And it's like Miller. There was a lot of pressure on Miller to get the goals after how he performed last year. Actually, earlier today, I was just catching up. I was watching the New York game on MLS Live, and it was the New York commentary. And Shit Messing was saying, oh, Kenny Miller has done nothing in a year and a half after he scored the, the winning goal. And it's like, no, he, he has. Well, first of all, he's not been here a year and a half. And he's had a really good season. For for the minutes that he's played, I think he's one of the leaders in MLS he's, for goals per minute. He's second to uh, Obafemi Martins for goals per 90 minutes. And that's for players that have played at least 300 minutes this year. And that that's fantastic. And it's probably taken a little bit of pressure off him, which is good. And as we were saying just a few minutes ago, the, the chemistry now between Camilo, Miller... And Tiber is fantastic. And it's only going to get better and better. If the three of them can stay healthy, it's going to be great. How big an impact do you think it's going to be if Russell Tiber now goes off to play for Canada in the Gold Cup? Well, it all depend on who they, they figure out to replace him. Um, I would my, my first guess would be that they would probably put Kakuda out there. Because uh, while Kakuda doesn't cross as well, he does have the similar attributes. He's a little bit faster, a little bit more pacier than Russell. Um, but I think that would be the guy that would put on. I think it will have an impact, though. They would lose Russell Tybert at this point in the year. It would be good for Canada, obviously, but it's going to hurt the Whitecaps for sure. And obviously we could also lose Johnny Leveron. We could also lose the newly recalled Carlisle Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, that would be definitely a fact. And 
hopefully we can get some guys back. Hopefully Andy O'Brien's not as hurt as people uh, first looked. So we've recalled Carlisle Mitchell, who is himself coming off an injury. And the centre-back coverage, it's just crazy. To lose three of your main guys in that position, I, I don't think I've ever experienced that in all my years of watching football for any team that I've supported. And if we then, if they don't come back healthy, and if two of our centre-backs then go off and play in the Gold Cup, our coverage is so so slim. But we have good players there that you don't want to bring in another, another centre-back. As Martin Rennie said at the start of the week, you don't want to then be in a case where you've got seven or eight centre-backs on, on the books. And Adam Clement's another guy, but he's not ready. I, I saw him play a lot of PDL games this year. He did some wonderful passes with the outside of his foot, actually, against North Sound on Friday night. But as a central defender, jury's still a bit out on him. I, I haven't seen enough to make me think he's anywhere near ready to get into an MLS game. No, he's definitely not ready at all. You know, you're talking about making those passes. He's playing his PDL team and one of the worst PDL teams, North Sound. So definitely not ready yet. Um, and on, on Tuesday night, uh, there was a warm-up game for the under-18s and the, the PDL side against North Sound in a friendly. And who was playing at centre-back? Tommy Heineman. Yeah, that was a surprise when I saw that. It was it was shocking, and I think uh, he didn't have very much to do. But when he did, he did make a, a bit of a mistake. And yeah, he gave a, he gave away a penalty with a really clumsy tackle. But to be fair to him, he was put in a really bad position from a, a sloppy header back. Northern guy pounced on it, went round Tommy. It was a clumsy tackle. Now we spoke to Tommy after the game, and he's he's never played centre half before. It's just something that they want to try out. Possibly, is it maybe just to to be emergency cover, do you think? Or is it maybe going to be a case that this could be Martin Rennie just trying to find a way to get Tommy Heineman into the game? It, it could be. I, I, I'd be shocked if they used Tommy Heineman as a centre-back, honestly, in an MLS game. They'd have to be down to their, like... No defenders like well, they're like close. If, say say if, for example in the Seattle game if they if they lost one more defender then yes obviously they had to put somebody back there but you would think somebody like a Davidson who kind of plays a center back role yeah we've, we've seen first. him play there yeah. in reserve so but yeah, it was interesting so we'll keep a watch on that we'll see if if Tommy Heineman is our our new star center back yeah. now one last thing I just want to mention about our defenders is Greg Clausura now Greg's had a, a tough two games own goal went off with cramp. Give away the penalty against Seattle. He's had a lot of stick from the fans online. And I think it's unfair. I, I don't think we can post the Seattle loss on Greg Clausura. He gave away the tying goal. He did not give away the goal that won the game. For me, the biggest thing with Greg Clausura is that he has not seen minutes before that New York game. He's been thrown in at the deep end. We've seen him play in the reserves, we've seen him training, he's a great guy. And obviously you're stepping up to MLS, you're playing against much better players. I think he still deserves a chance. I know a lot of the fans are maybe saying that he has no place in MLS, he's not an MLS player, he shouldn't play for the Caps again. That is so unfair. He's been thrown in at the deep end. He should have been getting blooded last year. He should have been getting minutes so that when he can can come into games like hostile environments against a star-studded New York team, or against 53,000 plus in Seattle, that he's got minutes under his belt and he's a bit more settled and he hasn't had that. And he's kind of been set up to fail and I really hope that the club give him a chance to, to prove the fans wrong and to, to kind of 
give his confidence a boost as well because he's a great guy off the pitch but I think he also has a lot of talent and he has got a lot that he can offer the Whitecaps. No, I totally agree with you. I, I think I think he has been thrown in the deep end, but he is a professional. You have to look at it that way too. The criticism is obviously like too harsh right now. He should be criticized, but he shouldn't. It shouldn't be like he never deserves to play again or in the Whitecaps uniform. That's too harsh. He'll learn. Hopefully, he learns from this. He, he, he you know, he figures out uh, the mistakes and everything he made, and it makes him stronger going forward okay so moving away from seattle uh let's go on to uh what's coming up for the whitecaps and that's the new england revolution i don't want to change the world i'm not looking for new england i'm just looking for another girl So the Whitecaps now look forward to this weekend as they face, with their luck, obviously a very hot team in MLS, New England Revolution coming to town. A team that now is unbeaten in five in MLS, six if you include their win in the U.S. Open Cup over Rochester. And obviously they're doing it a different way than some MLS teams are doing defensively. They've got in their six game, or five game, sorry, unbeaten streak in MLS, they've gotten four clean sheets which is quite amazing. They're, and they're, the thing is, the teams they're shutting out are not all struggling. Sure, they they, they they got a clean sheet against DC United and TFC, which isn't, you know... It's not hard. Yeah. No, it's not hard this year. But they have blanked the LA Galaxy and the Houston Dynamo, which is pretty impressive, I thought. So the, and, and the one in, against Houston was on the road. And obviously the LA one was at home, but that that was no matter where you play LA, that's impressive to shut them out and beat them five nil. Well, I mean the fact that they went to Houston and won. Teams don't go to Houston and win. Period. And to, to blank them is, was quite impressive. So yeah. So it, it, what do you think? What are your overall thoughts on the match? It's 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 a team that we rarely ever watch and rarely ever hear about because there's very little media coming out of there. So what do you think about them right now at, at a, as a you know a broad look at them? I guess I kind of want to MLS as more unfashionable teams. People don't really care too much about them. But when you looked at the fixtures and you said that Whitecaps had back-to-back home games in June against New England and against Chivas, you're thinking, that's a couple of nice easy games to ease us into the summer. It should be a, a guaranteed six points. Now you're looking at this game and you're thinking, maybe not a guaranteed six points, maybe not even a guaranteed point from, from this New England game. And for me, Whitecaps have to get at least nine points in June, I think, for Martin Rennie to keep his job. And if they were to lose to New England, they've still got a chance that they can beat Chivas and that they can beat DC and get the nine points in June. But if they were to lose on Saturday against against New England, sections of the fan base will be calling for, for Rennie's head. They already are a little bit on Twitter and some of the more vocal ones online. But, and the media love that. The media love to to have controversy to talk about, especially with no Canucks to talk about and fill the airwaves for hours at a time. They want to, to have people talking about stuff like this. So the media will lap that up. So the pressure is on the team. The pressure is on Martin Rennie. And it's going to be a tough game. New England are playing some really nice football. And they're kind of playing the kind of football that Martin Rennie wants by being strong at the back and, and just keeping it tight and getting the job done at the other end and it's going to be up to which team 
stays tightest and which team takes the chances. Yeah, I, uh, I I haven't seen too much of them yet. I'm probably going to see some highlights of them, their games later on this week. But I never expected them. I thought they were going to be doormats in the East. And obviously, DC United is taking their spot right now in TFC as usual. But it'd be interesting to see where they go. They they did have that their first overall pick was a center back, was a defender. Um, they have a new coach, new system, and everything like that. And the, obviously, the return of uh, Lee Wynn to the after his uh, comments last year and everything like that uh, he was here for what a, a cough, cup of coffee and everything with the white caps so it'd be interesting to see how he reacts uh to playing again the white caps this time in vancouver i think he if i'm not mistaken he had a goal against vancouver last year and he then, did it was yeah. a beauty it'll be interesting to see what he wants to do against the white caps again this year well, hopefully they kick his butt and they they can make his butt hurt and they can tweet about that like yeah. he did last year <laughs> it's it's going to be a tough game, quickly followed by the Shivas game, which you have to say is a, is a guaranteed 100% three points. Should be, uh, the way Shivas is going right now, because they've run out of goat's blood. The, the way that they, the West is sitting just now, the Whitecaps are currently sitting seventh. They're four or five points off the, the playoff spot, 12 points behind the league leaders. We're getting to crunch time, and you don't want to panic but we are getting to crunch time. And as we said a couple of podcasts ago, the club have come out and said they don't want to do a mid-season rebuild like they did last year. Martin Rennie was on the radio on Monday saying he doesn't think there's going to be a lot of changes in the summer. If you're falling behind in the playoff race and the team that you have and the squad that you have isn't gelling, isn't clicking, doesn't look like it's going to get the job done, surely you have to dip into the transfer market. Or do you just continue and hope that the guys that you've got are, are going to get the job done? I think there will be changes. I think uh, not not drastic changes like last year, but I think they're going to add some players on. They have one or two roster spots open right now, I believe. I th- Depending think on if Mitchell leaves yeah, again. Yeah, you've kind of got possibly three. And, the, and they could always jettison or loan out Adam Clement, who opens up another spot. So there's, there, there is room to move. Uh, cap space, obviously, we don't know because... Nobody knows anything about cap space in MLS, so we don't know. Everybody always says they're tight to the cap, but there is always wiggle room. If once you know when nobody knows what's going on, they could always claim that there is something left over. So, yeah, they they can make some moves and everything. I, I think they need to. We talked about it before. Uh, I think they need a, a pure winger. It would just be helpful, especially for the younger guys to see a veteran be able to play. What now I'm thinking is, especially with the Rochat trade, I would like to see them get a guy who can play wing and wing back. Somebody who can who's trained enough to play defensively and can go get forward quite a bit. So I think that would be one spot I'd like to see. Do you think we're maybe going to see a big name coming in? I don't think a big name, unless Kenny Miller does leave, like rumor, but that 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 doesn't sound like it's going to happen now. The way he's talking as well, and lo- lots of people are talking because Randy Edwini Bonsu is back in town, which to me is just for a summer vacation. Yeah, folk are trying to put two and two together and thinking he could rejoin the Caps. Do you see that that might happen? I don't see that happening cause only because that they have a lot of smallish strikers. Yeah, um, they need something with size. If they do bring a, a name in for a striker, I, I know he's out of contract, but. I'm not sure if... I, I personally think it was a mistake when they let him go in the first place. Me too, uh, yeah. Uh, not just because he's a homegrown guy, and I don't think he would have asked for that much money. They just didn't give him a chance last year, the, the, that first season at all, no matter what the money was. Well, what, what Rennie said uh, again on Whitecaps Daily on Monday was that the club are close to announcing a new signing. It's basically all done and dusted. They're just 
not announcing it yet. Tyler Green kind of tweeted out today that apparently the new signing was at training this morning watching from the sidelines, but nobody actually realised that he was there or who the new signing was. So it doesn't look like it's going to be an exciting signing. Well, the thing is the media, honestly, the media here, a lot of them don't are not going to recognise everybody that's out there. So they, 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 it could be somebody who is an exciting player, but not a name player. Like, well, you can have those kind of guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Martin Rennie said it was going to be a player that was going to fill one of their needs and was going to be a player that was likely to be around for a good few years to come. Yeah. So you're thinking it's going to be at least a guy that's not going to be older than, say, 31, 32. Oh, I think maybe even in his 20s. I think it'll be somebody 25 younger. But what position do you think it's going to be that is going to be the position that he thinks we really have to fill? Is it going to be a left-back for a shot? Surely it can't be a striker. We've got strikers. Could it be a midfielder? Someone think, that's going to like I, control the game from the yeah, middle. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to be a midfielder. I don't think it's. I don't know if it's going to be. It could be anybody. Honestly, they have a lot of. Feel, feel like they have a lot of holes in depth wise right now. Um, even a striker. No, actually, striker. I think they're okay. But other other than that, they 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 do have a lot of spots like the midfield. You know, get a rash of injuries. You need some more depth there. I think. Davidson maybe is not, you know, showing the confidence that he has anymore. So maybe somebody holding it could be anywhere. Honestly, where 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 don't they need a player depth wise right now? True. I mean, I was quite surprised because when he said it's it's the position that we really really need to fill, and I'm thinking there's just one position because just now we really need to fill a centre half, and you don't think they're going to bring. No, that I don't right? think they're going to bring a centre half at all. That's the one position because he was also mentioning he doesn't want to have seven centre yeah. halves on the team after what. So we'll we'll see what that brings us. So New England's on Saturday We're hoping to bring you a post-game show after that If not, we'll maybe do it for the Shivas game But we'll, we'll get something done soon So just before we finish So one of the big talking points in Canadian soccer this week Has been the Quebec Soccer Federation's banning Of players wearing turbans and other headwear during games Then their subsequent expulsion, banning, temporary ban, whatever you want to call it, from the Canadian Soccer Association. And it's generated a a lot of press. FIFA's been involved. FIFA saying that they were wrong to do that. It goes against FIFA rules. You've got the Quebec politicians wading in now, making stuff about, oh, it's all anti-Quebec. They can do what they want. They're autonomous, blah, blah, blah. You never want to get politics involved in soccer. Now, we're probably one of the the few soccer podcasts in North America that actually has a practicing Sikh as one of the hosts. I practice very little though. Well, I, I was going to say like, <laughs> surely by this time you shouldn't be practicing, you should have it like spot on. Yeah, yeah. But as, as a Sikh, what, what is your view on it? I mean, I, I, I can offer my opinion, all these other white commentators have offered their opinion. Does it offend you what they've done? Is it such a big thing? It's, it's, it's hard to say it offends me because you have to be surprised by something to get offended by it, I feel. I'm not surprised at all by this kind of stuff. It's, it's happening you know, all the time in my life. I've noticed it and everything like that. The only thing that... that, that like Even when they... I, I wasn't up in joy when uh, the Quebec Federation got suspended because all this does is it makes it... You know, it inflames the... You know, get, gets people backed into a corner and everything... And these kids that are going to be, uh, like, say they do overturn the ban and p- the kids can play with their uh, butke or the turbans and everything like that, 
these kids are going to get ridiculed when they go in there because there are going to be people that were on the other side against the uh, against the, that headwear and they're going to be against it and all these guys are going to be these is ridiculed like uh, i've seen in the past and everything by people so it, it, in, a, in a way it's it's you know it's good on csa to do the banding and everything but i, I honestly wish that the the quebec federation had done something before the banding even took place and and figured out that you know it was going to happen why even deal with this stuff but i guess they wanted to do something to shocking or something to get their name out there and 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 and, and garner support for their federation I, i've been surprised and i shouldn't be because they internet but i've been surprised by the people that are backing their decision online and people are taking it that it's like oh it's canada versus the rest of quebec and it's not and people are going on that it, it's it's a it's racist and I mean, I won't go into that, but I mean, you're, you were saying to me when we were talking about this off-air that the the wearing of turbans and patkis, is it? Yeah. It's it's not religious. No, well, what it is is the turban and the patkis are, are not the religious symbol. Um, that's the, uh, A lot of people think that the... the, the, the like the, somebody was saying uh, on Twitter in a, in, a, in a kind of shouting match with... Not shouting match, with Twitter thing with uh, um, Jason DeVos that we want to be completely secular and we don't want these religious symbols in, in on the pitch, right? The turban is not the religious symbol. Um, a lot of people think it is, but it isn't. It's the hair underneath the turban that's the religious symbol for Sikhs. The turban and the parke uh, are there to protect the hair and keep it clean and keep it fresh and everything like that. Like, me personally, I, I, I I've told you this before, I get pretty big migraines when i have turban like a full turban on um especially the formal one that you wear to weddings and stuff like that i still wear it even uh, the covering i, I wear today which is not a full turban it's just a parka i still get severe headaches uh, not severe the, the, i still feel it in my head right but i still wear it it's something that you have to do uh, it's something i've chosen to do i could have cut my hair a long time ago if i wanted to but i decided not to it's my choice so it, it, it definitely is not an advantage to the players playing. It's honestly not. Um, I don't know how cloth, unless they like dip it in poison or something like that, how cloth is going to be um, harmful to a, an opposing player. It, it's not like there's spikes underneath there. So I don't know where people are getting that is dangerous. It, it, it's kind of baffling to me. And I, I think the reason I, I... We talked about this off air, but the reason I wanted to talk about this on air is for you to have explained that about how it's the hair that's the important thing. And that is why when people are coming out and they're leaving comments like, well, why don't they just take it off for the 90 minutes and then put it on afterwards? It's not about the the turban or the patka. It's about the hair underneath. That's why they can't take it off. That's why you can't just play a game just normally. And that's what people need to understand. And I don't know where this is going to go. It, the fact that politicians are wading into it now, Joey Saputo made his comment this morning, which it was a weird comment because it was it just kind of didn't it was all over the place. It didn't really make sense to me, and I hadn't I hadn't actually read it until you tweeted something out about it. Check my timeline for the tweet. But that was it. It just didn't help things, and I just don't know where this is going to go now. I mean, there will be a resolution because if the QSF don't back down. Basically, they can't play, and they can't play sanctioned games. Yeah, they can play in their backyard. I, I I, yeah, I like how so many folks have been saying that and like throwing that quote back to them. That was one of the most horrible, horrible quotes that 
just when you read it, it just takes the whole thing to new undertones. And the funny thing is, is uh, what I was uh, one thing I was thinking in my head too. Uh, I was laughing, well, laughing to myself. I never mentioned it to anybody, but it'd be funny if uh, down the road they did decide to make an all Indo Canadian league. And then there was uh, a white family or a white team that they wanted to play in this league and they weren't allowed. And then they obviously got some media attention because of that. Like, did it happen last year? It, it's just going to be interesting to see how this goes. I, you just hope it doesn't get any messier. Unfortunately, the way it's going just now, it looks like it's going to. Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. We've done this podcast from outdoors at UBC. Hopefully there's not been too much background noise to annoy you. As I say that, some really noisy truck things going past. But we're hoping to do a few more of these in the summer with the nice weather, get out, maybe at some of the PDL games, maybe do some at training. So but we'll see what happens. So if anyone wants to come along and join in on the podcast, then if you're here, you can take part. Just bring your own chair. Yeah, because it's quite uncomfortable and cold at this time of night. We were just watching the, the Whitecaps win 5-3 in the friendly over North Sound Seawolves. That's going to be some preparation for the under-18s as they head off for the, the USSDA playoffs later this month. We're going to have full coverage of that on AFTN, including our, our annual residency week where we'll look at all that. So we'll tell you a bit more in some future podcasts about what that's going to hold in store. I've been your host, Michael McCall. Steve, do you want to tell people where they can find you on Twitter? Um, at YKF's Beat, and I write uh, for, obviously, um, AFTN and Post America as well. And you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can find all our blogs and our writing on AFTN on Canadian Soccer News. Just go to AFTN.ca. And if you want to drop us an email, chat about anything, any suggestions for the show, just send us an email to AFTNCanada.com at hotmail.com So thanks for listening We'll be back soon and until then Mon the Caps One day I shall come back Yes, I shall come back Until then there must be no regrets no tears, no anxieties Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.